0: We share true stories from our experiences to dispel fear where we can and help you discover the amazing layers that make up the paranormal world. You are invited to gather around the metaphysical table with us and discuss the worlds of the unseen on The Gathering Radio Show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Gathering Radio Show right here on the ParaX Radio Network. My name is Stephanie,
1: and this is Heidi, and we're here for a... Totally awesome Tuesday. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> we'll just say that.
0: <laughs> totally I awesome. Like
1: that one. <laughs> um, too bad there's not a Mercury retrograde T name because <laughs> I would be using that right
0: now. <laughs> well, it is Mercury retrograde. I know.
1: And it's a crazy one this time. I think
0: personally, it is.
1: It's been okay. it's been wild and woolly. And I had to go. I'm calling it the Skype gauntlet that I had <laughs> to go through to get here. I thought it was funny at first because I just couldn't get in and I'd open up the screen and it would just be blank and I thought, okay, that's fun. So I restart my computer. Anyway, I do this like three times and I I think I'm, you know, I should be qualified for something by now to figure, <laughs> you know, figuring out what I just went through
0: with Skype. So anyway, oh yeah, God. I'm here. We're good. Yeah, we <laughs> are good. I know. Well, and you know, it's been a tough one. I And you know, Mercury Retrograde does, for those of you who don't know, does interfere in communication issues. So We should have figured this out. And I know when when Sarge skyped me and you weren't there, and I'm like, "Where's you know?" Sarge is like, "Where's Heidi?" And I said, "I don't know," (laughs) (laughs) but you are here with us, so that I was
1: was I was I was frantically trying to uh, get that figured out. Yeah, yeah.
0: But we're all good. I got it. We're all good. I got it. We're here.
1: Happy Tuesday. I know it is. It's good. (laughs) It's a good Tuesday. It's sunny Tuesday. So what else can you? What else can you hope for here in Minnesota? I know. It's a perfect day for sure. So what's shaking in your world? Oh, let's see here. It's been it's been good. We just had Earth Day, right? It's official Earth Day. Not that every day can't be Earth Day. Of course it can. Uh it was like thirty degrees out. But we went out. I had a um I have a trail that I volunteered uh to maintain a two mile stint of a trail. I shouldn't say it's the, it's not the whole trail. So I thought, well, we're going to go out and do it anyway, even though it was really cold for our first, first time. And so we went out on Saturday and it was chilly, but we did it and it was good. It felt good. And, um, you know, what's interesting. I'll just say with, um, cleaning up garbage, it's, I think we're kind of, um, I don't know. I think I don't, I didn't realize how much I didn't see. Yeah.
0: Tell you're right? looking for it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, you look for it. And then I think because we get used to seeing it, which is terrible. It's gross. That's terrible.
0: It's gross. It's gross. And I,
1: because there was stuff that I didn't see. And then we go back again, you know, and maybe coming from a different get direction, left. you see it, you know, different. But yeah. yeah, it was, it was sad actually because we really had to think differently to look for. And there was quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And at first we're like, wow, this place is really clean.
0: <laughs> it wasn't. I, mean, I no, was,
1: It was no, embarrassing.
0: Yeah. Well, we were out on an island and it was, it was cloudy, but it was, you know, it's much warmer out there. And, um, Casey and I volunteered for grandma's cove, which is a beautiful cove. And last time we were there, it was full of plastics and stuff, but that was a earth day before, so that was before earth day last year. And we just happened to be out there on earth day this year. So that's where I wanted to go. And it was fun. There was one other person there and Yeah it wasn't as bad as it was last year. So they really did a good job of cleaning it up, but you know, the tides bring in all this icky gook, you know? Yeah. Um, but it wasn't as bad as I thought. So I was, I was pleasantly surprised, but yeah, it's, it's, it's gross and it's all up in the driftwood. So you have to kind of c- crawl through the driftwood and, but it was fun, you know, it was the great islands cleanup. And so there were a lot of people and um, everybody, you know, people, we went to South beach after that thinking maybe they needed help, but they had it under control. So we were good, but it was fun. It was fun. And it felt nice. good to do something to help mama earth. Right. You know, so did you see yeah. your whales? We did. We saw jpod pod on Sunday night. Um, and then yesterday, Jay, well, we went to, we left early because we went up to Cherry point and, and. Visited with Raynell Morris, you know, the Lummi Nation, and they actually got together, she and um, Shirley Bob's family, and we did a prayer ceremony for Tokate on the beach, you know, which was so fun. But while we were doing that, J-Pod was on the west side of San Juan Island at the lighthouse singing away too. So, Aww. coincidence, or did they know that we were praying for to Toki miles you know, I away? But, you know, we'd like to think, you know, it's, everything happens. I think they know. They definitely know when things are happening, you know, and, and we were, you know, they had beautiful songs, native songs that they sang and drummed and, Mm. um, you know, of course San Juan Island isn't there because the, where we were is on the mainland, you know, but it's not far, you know, it was on the Salish Sea, of course, on the beach. Um, so yeah, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It was so fun. It was just it was such an honor to be among them, you know, and they just, they, you know, we were their special guests. They said, which was awesome. And I'm like, no, no, no. The honor is mine, you know, but mm. it was very fun. So nice. good things happening. Good things happening with our girl. That's all I'll say. I learned a lot from right that of course we can't talk about, but it's looking, I mean, she's coming home. She's coming home Good. and hopefully sooner, better than later. So, and yeah. for those of you that don't know, it's our uh, the whale that is
1: down in Florida that's been in captivity for how long? Years.
0: 52 years, 52 years here. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: so she's going, she's going home, yeah, uh, to the
0: ocean, well, the mm-hmm. sea, and yeah. uh, she'll be with her her pod. Yeah, yeah we're so excited. And the Lummy Nation has a big part in this, right? Because the Lummy Nation you know the orcas they call them kumalagen and uh what they call them as their relatives under the waves and so nice. Skelly Chatnat aka Tokatai um is their relative and they feel yeah. like when she comes home it will heal the Salish Sea as well mm-hmm. right so there's great hope and it's yeah. you know, i kind of agree right you know but she's she's ready to come home she's very healthy um getting better every day so yeah soon soon good it's so exciting exciting Exciting. and i think
1: yeah animals know they know they can feel energy they know what we're doing to help them you know even Uh, if they don't see it they know it and so yeah yes
0: and i know you know well and she's a member of, of l pod really which is a part of j clan you know and when we saw j pod on sunday night i felt like they knew you know it was just something intuitive that came to me and I'm like wow maybe next year we'll see Toki swimming in the bunch you know and I know that probably wouldn't happen that soon right because she's got to get used to the waters and that she'll be in a sea pen um, but eventually the hope is you know that she'll be swimming with Alpod you know mm-hmm. so anyway awesome. awesome news coming yeah that's exciting you know, That world. so yeah it is Good. exciting yeah
1: well Speaking of animals, mm-hmm. so we have a fun guest on with us tonight. Again, you know, and the reason we, we talk about living animals, wow. you know, and I'll, I'll just do this little bit here. We've talked about this before, but the reason we incorporate living animals into our show uh, because we do talk about spirit animals and animal energy, everything is energy and everything is connected, and so, you know, our, our natural world is just... a. Uh, a big a deal as the spirit world with how everything balances out, right? Mm-hmm. So we love talking about the actual animals on our planet because energetically they make a difference and they're a huge part of of the of the balance of everything. So uh, so we're really excited to have a guest back with us tonight that we've had in the past, and we have Peggy Callahan from the Wildlife Science Center joining us tonight, and we're so excited to have you back, Peggy. Welcome.
2: Well, thank you so much for being here. I, I got to tell you, I got kind of dewy listening to you guys about the the orca. Um, you know, I, I have this fantasy that it would be possible for wolves to just say, you know what, they need to go back and just be able to let them go. And that just will mm-hmm. never happen. So I love that this orca got to go. Um, it's really one of those things. I, there are animals that need to be in captivity in order to survive or keep perpetuate the species whales aren't one of them and we cannot and will never provide what they need in captivity period i completely i completely support and and i'm just really excited to hear that she's going home that's just really amazing so
0: and we hope sooner rather than later you know there's a lot of hoops still you know we have to get Government regulations, you know, and federal licensing and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, no, they're actively. They have a few spots they want to put the sea pen, so it's being worked on. So, and it's not like one of the big misconceptions, Peggy, about Toki is that they think they're just going to bring her to the sea and drop her in and that's it, you know. And I like "No, no, no, there's a huge plan. Her people that she she help her now that take care of her are going with her, as well as the her dolphin friends in the tank and they will be there providing 24 seven care for as long as she needs it forever. If she needs it, you know? So yeah, it's so fun. Even if she's in a
2: sea area and is not free ranging, she at least will be closer to what she
0: was supposed to be. Yes, Yes,
2: absolutely.
0: Where she was born. No,
2: it's a, it's a complicated thing, but anyway, I just wanted to say kudos for that.
1: Yeah. Awesome.
2: Awesome. So, Peggy. And, and in terms we of was... spirit animals, I, just have to, I have to tell you guys a story really quick about yeah. one of my wolves. Um, he, uh, he came to us. Uh, he was uh, a pet, and he should never have been a pet. He was a puppy, like a little guy. Mm. And unfortunately, you can buy just about anything uh, in captivity. And he was maybe six weeks old, and these folks had him, and they had no idea what they were doing. And, of course, he's a wolf, so he is rebelling at age six he, Six weeks. He's ready to try to take your face off if you don't know what you're doing. So she brought him here, and my daughter walked up to him and took him from her, and he growled at my daughter, and my growler growled back, and he went, Oh, okay, you know what you're talking about. So he was just <laughs> fine, and... So for 15 years this guy lived with us and um, he's a wolf. It's a complicated relationship, but he got osteosarcoma, which is a nasty cancer. And usually when it when it hits a member of the dog family, it's in a lower leg bone. It's very nasty. It 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 metastasizes really quickly, and. So what we try to do is amputate the affected limb so that we take away, which is an enormous pain, give them a few extra months of quality. Well, this was up in his shoulder. It was not, we couldn't do anything about it. So he went very quickly. And this, the last weekend he was with us, which is a week ago, he was lying in his shelter all weekend. So I came in on Monday and said, okay, it's it's your time, bud. So I took one of my, one of my good friends in that knows him and we expected to, have to send him along in the shelter. No, that guy had other plans. He got up and he limped painstakingly over to us. And even he something he's never done in 15 years. First of all, he greeted us, licked our faces and stuff, which he does, but he plopped down and put his head in my lap. And um, the two of us were biting back tears. We try really hard not to cry in front of the ones that are moving on. We don't want them to misunderstand our grief. Um, so we told stories about him and scratched him and it, well, this went on for a couple of hours and we shared a beautiful bottle of wine called Witching Hour um, mm-hmm. and it is a red blend from California and I, I can't tell you how appropriate that was for that moment and then it got a little chilly and so we moved into the sun and, and he moved into the sun and looked at us like okay this is my spot so we went over and we're saying our goodbyes and the entire colony of wolves Burst into song, a huge, oh. long morning howl, the entire colony. And we have about 100 wolves. So it was a cacophony. And Robbie was lying on his side and he gave it his last. And it, it, it's a beautiful howl. It isn't, it, you could tell how weak he was, but he howled and he was happy. Oh. And he knew. You said these animals know he knew he absolutely knew that we were going to relieve him from his pain and we were going to send him along. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a scientist. I don't, I don't buy this stuff very easily. I'm telling you, I hook, line and sinker. Absolutely. Robbie knew Robbie knew he was going to join his, his old buddy. Um, and, and I, I'm just telling you, it was a beautiful, beautiful experience. So, mm.
1: Yeah. They, I'm, like, getting emotional just listening yeah. to that. That's so amazing. And they do. Animals know. And it's all connected. It is. It's all energy. They're so tuned in. Mm-hmm. So much more than humans are. I think we used to be more, but uh, definitely not as much now. And animals always, yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, what a beautiful story that is. Oh,
1: thank you. Yeah, yeah. thank you for sharing yeah.
0: that. Beautiful. I, so, I would love to share...
2: The howl. We recorded his last howl. If there's a Hmm. way, technological moron, which is why I'm on a cell phone and not Skype right now. Um, (laughs) But I would, I would love to get it to you guys so that you could show your folks what, what, an animal that knows that he's going to a better place looks like. Yeah.
1: Is it a video or an audio?
2: Yes, a video. It was on. It was on my cell phone. I I filmed. Oh,
1: you can email it to me and I'll post it on our Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. Okay, absolutely. That as soon as I can. See
2: we'll see Yeah, no someone Yeah, we'll get it out there. Yeah, so oh, thank you, you guys. It's amazing. Yeah, It's mean, beautiful. Awesome. He was black when he was younger, and beautiful grizzled fellow when he was an old man. So,
0: oh, yeah. We'll anyway, share that. I'm sorry okay. for your
1: loss. Yeah, that's. It's an awesome story, though, for sure. Awesome. So, well, you are- it's lovely to be back with you guys yeah and you're with the Wildlife Science Center, and we'd love for you just to give a brief overview or whatever you want to say about the Wildlife Science Center and what you what you're doing uh, to help animals to educate humans. any of it right this had
2: this place was started in 1976 by some federal biologists and they they started it as a scientific endeavor. There are things that one cannot know. By studying wild animals, free ranging animals, um, you just especially in Minnesota when we had a, a reduced number of wolves, you can't answer certain questions like why is there only one female in a pack that has puppies?" And we take that for granted now about wolves, but if you think about it, if you had seven dogs and there were multiple females, all the females would have puppies. so it's an it's an it's a fascinating question, and so that was the thing that started this whole This whole project. And what they did was take wolves that were going to be euthanized for killing livestock and brought them into captivity. And what they got were more questions rather than answers. And from 1976 to 1990, it was run by the federal government and there were questions upon questions. This was the place that anyone that was going to go catch wolves in the wild to put radio collars on learned how to safely give them an anesthetic that didn't wipe them out for days. It just wiped them out for a few hours and they could go back and be a wolf. Um, and I started in 1985. I was very fortunate to participate in training the Iowa Royal wolf team, the Yellowstone wolf team, the red wolf, the Mexican wolf capture team. So we did a lot. We've trained a lot of people over the years. And when the federal funding ran out in 1990, my last job was to euthanize the wolves that were here. There were 40 and I, uh didn't want to do that. And so we managed to convince the feds to leave us the wolves. Um and it was it was me and uh, a wonderful veterinary biologist and my now husband. Uh and we started a nonprofit and we continued the ethic of learning from captive wolves, but we we get to say yay or nay to whatever is done and it's really more like looking at how do you keep wolves away from livestock. How do you safely contracept a Mexican wolf when there are only seven founders that you don't want to re- to interfere with their fertility? Um, we do things like that, and it's really it's really been a labor of love. We also have opened our doors for science education, and it, you know it's funny when you talk about education, science science is is the, is the the ground on which nobody can dispute. You don't have to love wolves, you don't have to hate wolves. So here's the science behind how many deer they actually take. Here's the science behind behind how many people they actually have have injured. I mean, it's really that's that's the bottom ground, and that's what that's what we do. Is okay. This is the science center. If you want to come and talk to me about the impact of wolves on deer, I'm happy to do that. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just going to give you the numbers. So that's really that's really our mission. And there is nothing to me as exciting as watching a child walk up to a wolf enclosure and we have natural enclosures for them. They can get away if they want to, but they are really fascinated by small people in particular and by dogs. We welcome dogs into the facility. And so they have a natural affinity to dogs and it's really interesting. So we, we have, um, we have open, open hours several times a week and we also have science education programs. I have a really terrific educator who is, Uh, a trained science teacher. And this man can adapt information to absolutely any learning level and any learning ability. He's just, he's magic. And it's really so amazing to watch people interact with him. I mean, no one, no one stays silent in a class with Bob. He can, he asks questions. He asks questions of the students. He asks, uh, he wants to know about their experience. Everyone wants to say, you know, hey, I I saw an owl. Well, this is the guy that really wants to hear it. So mm. it's really. We also have uh, birds of prey. Um, we have twelve birds of prey. We have uh, three black bears, four mountain lions, bobcats, uh, coyotes, fox. So we have a really nice cross section of North America, um, mostly Minnesota, but we also are part of the Mexican wolf and red wolf captive breeding programs, which are both. Run by the federal government, and so we house these animals on behalf of the federal government. We act like a bank. In fact, we just uh, are proud to announce we had a litter of red wolves born yesterday, um, mm. and they were left alive in 1979. So we're very, very proud. Um, and and mom and daughter Wanda was born a year ago, um, and she was uh, our first red wolf born on site, and she has been a very attentive aunt, and so. Um, they are taking really good care of their pups. So that's, oh. that's my exciting news.
1: That's really exciting. Yeah. I can't wait to see pictures of baby wolves. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so cool.
2: she'd, she'd, uh, she'd stop if I went there right now, but we'll, we'll give her a little time. <laughs>
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, day one, let's cut her some slack. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> exactly. Well, remember me, so... <laughs> Oh, good. So you, but you guys mainly have wolves there, correct? Correct. That's, that's the main animal that we have. So. How many do you have right now?
2: About a hundred. Oh my. Um, and it, so we, we have, we have dedicated our work to multiple causes, but one of the most important causes are the Mexican wolf and red wolf reintroductions. And what we have found is that when, I mean, there were seven Mexican gray wolves left alive in 1979, 11 red wolves left alive in 1979. So recovering populations from those numbers is a challenge at the best. So what we found is that inbreeding has really interfered with their reproduction. So you can't even ask questions like, how do you save male, how do you save semen? For breeding, I mean, if you are involved in anything these days—horse breeding, dog breeding, anything—they don't ship animals anymore. They ship semen. But when the federal government went to collect and save semen from Mexican wolves, and interestingly enough, they're not like dogs; they don't produce sperm all year. They only produce it in the wintertime. They found that the quality, quantity, and and health of the sperm was deeply compromised. So they couldn't even experiment with ways to ex. And the, the the viability of this sperm. So they came to us because the wolves that we have are criminals and sons and daughters of criminals from Canada, from Minnesota, from the western part of the country, and they've none, never gone through that kind of population bottleneck. So their sperm is healthy, and so we have used our animals as models for Mexican wolves for years. We also have used our females for models for contraceptives. And as a woman, I'm going to tell you, we don't contracept anything safely or well. You know, the only thing that's safe is latex. And it's really a frustrating thing as a woman. And as a biologist, it's even more frustrating. We don't have a magic pill we can give a wolf that stops her from breeding year one. If we want puppies year two, that's not available to us. So it's really, really frustrating, and we're working with old old technology old old information um so we have been using our non mexican wolf wolves from the the criminals from <laughs> they're not criminals, you guys you know what i mean they're they're that's how we got them but they but if if one of my females can't have puppies, that's not going to impact the ecology at all. She's just not going to have puppies, but it will tell me something that I need to know before I give something to a Mexican wolf and render her sterile. So that's really one of the most important reasons we have so many wolves, is because we have to be able to know, is this contraceptive reversible? And sadly, a lot of these contraceptives are not reversible for up to five years. When you're thinking about a wolf, they don't breed until they're two or three at their earliest, and then they're done by eight. So five years is their entire breeding career. Oh, wow. So it's a a really, it's, we're really uh, swimming upstream here with this.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, that sounds almost, I mean, challenging, definitely, but almost impossible to work with that time, that window.
2: Right. I mean, it's very frustrating. And so, and uh, why do we contracept? Because they're sometimes housed as siblings. And, and they're already an inbred species. We don't want to have siblings breed, but that's out of necessity. We don't have very many places that can house Mexican wolves. They're, they're, they're never hand They're afraid of us. They need to have, be in situations where they can't get out of guns. Um, and that, that needs professional. That means that they have to be a professional facility. So it's really, um, it's really a challenge. Um, one that I, I relish trying to help with.
1: Wow. That's I mean I so, wouldn't have ever guessed.
2: Hmm. I mean it it, it sounds like you you know you take you take the wolf in captivity and you let it go. Well that just hasn't been how it's worked. And unfortunately because of the struggles with captive breeding and can you imagine these these are this is like this is the penultimate ultimate arranged marriages and some of them work and some of them don't. And mm. and it's in which is the least optimal situation. So uh there are animals that based on their coefficients of relatedness in science, they should breed. Well, they don't see it that way. And they're not in the wild. So it's really been an uphill battle. And wow. so it's it's yeah, it's a difficult thing. So now the Mexican wolf recovery team and the red wolf recovery team have come up with a really cool option. Um Some of the puppies that are born in captivity that are of optimal reintroduction genetics, they do it. It's called cross-fostering. Wolves are so hardwired to parent, both the males and the females are hormonally completely geared to parent that you can take captive-born puppies and put them on wild moms and they will take them with impunity. They absolutely no question. Okay, this is another kid I didn't know I had. It's really cool. It saves money. Hmm. It saves every complication. When wolves are raised in captivity, there's always the risk of them being less fearful of people, and we all know people are the number one killers of wolves in the wild. So we wanted to think that we're dangerous because we are. I mean, it's a really cool thing. So um, yeah, we we let the red wolf folks know that we had a litter today because there are some cross fostering opportunities for red wolves right now, and we're just inundated with the idea that that maybe Wanda's little sisters would go out into the wild. So.
1: That's awesome. That's very uh-huh. cool. Very yeah. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we have one quick question from our chat room, and then we have to go yeah. to commercial break. So, And you can, you can talk more about this after if you have a, a longer answer, but we have a question in the chat room that's asking if you get wolf-dog hybrid animals ever.
2: We do. Um, and it's where I have to answer that after the break. It's a it's a long winded conversation. Unfortunately, we are left with very, very few genetic tools to identify these animals, um, especially reliable tools. So most of it is based on identification and and behavior. So it's a really difficult thing. I, I have had several um, and they're unique and amazing and wildly misunderstood, and they really don't, they don't fit well in most people's homes in any way. I love them. They're they are difficult in a way that a wolf is not. It's really interesting, so, so, so we can talk
1: are about those, that after. The okay, I just, one quick follow-up question to that. Do those come yeah. from human intervention, or does that happen out in the wild?
2: It does not happen in the wild. It's okay. not documented, and that's one of the misunderstandings. They just Wolves eat dogs so
1: that they don't need them. All right. So this is all human, not natural. It's
2: all human. The humans created the liger, which is a lion tiger. I mean, people are, they're crazy. They do things that absolutely defy defy science. I mean, and defy Mm. nature. So it's it's sad and frustrating, but, um, you know, the resulting animals really don't have a place. They don't have a place in the home. They don't have a place in the wild
1: they're Mm. they're really that's sad okay all right
0: all right so we're gonna go to break this is uh join us we'll be back in two minutes this is the gathering radio show on the para x radio network in order for the light to shine so brightly the darkness must be present tune in every monday at 10 o'clock the dark sun rising on the parax radio network hey heidi have you listened to the calling lately why yes stuff i have it's really good have you absolutely it's what i would say is a wild and woolly affair So does that
1: mean it's a Wild and Wooly Wednesday show?
0: (laughs) Well, I definitely think that that's true. So you know we
1: listen since The Calling is the sibling show to our show, The Gathering.
0: Listen to The Calling radio show with Jerry and Kimberly Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Para-X radio network.
1: Hi, this is Marla Brooks from Stirring the Cauldron. Thursdays are a great night on the PairX radio network. On the first and third Thursdays of the month at 8 p.m., it's Tango and Friends, hosted by Bruce Tango. And on the alternate Thursdays at 8 p.m., tune in to Stirring the Cauldron, the archive
2: podcast. Every week at 9 p.m. Eastern, join me on Stirring the Cauldron Live. And then at 10 p.m., stick around for New Aeon Now with Lily Alley, Davron Michaels, and Christine Motza. Finally, to round out the night, join Dr. Kelly Renee Schutz on the Paranormal Encounters podcast. All this, every Thursday, right here on ParaX. You are listening to ParaX.
1: Welcome back to The Gathering Radio Show on the X Radio Network, and we have Peggy Callahan from the Wildlife Science Center with us, and we've been hearing about all sorts of fascinating topics around, mainly wolves at this point, but uh, we've started to venture out into other topics here, and uh, it's good to have you with us, Peggy.
2: Wonderful to be here.
1: So could you share uh, just maybe some of the new, you had mentioned uh, when we were communicating earlier about something new that you have rolled out since we had you on the show last. We'd love to hear about it.
2: Yes. So um, because of the work that we are doing with the Mexican Wolf uh, Recovery Project and the federal government, we've had a number of puppies born. uh, And so what we've done, and some of these moms are overburdened, so we take some of the pups off the moms and bottle feed them and leave other pups on the moms. And uh, before folks freak out, I will tell you how – relieved these moms are to have us take a couple of the pups off of them and take care of the others. It makes the job easier, safer, uh, more effective. And I will tell you, we have not gotten one piece of lip from the females. So just so you know, <laughs> um, these, 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 these girls are like, okay, I had six. I thought I was going to have three, take three. So, I mean, it's really remarkable. So so, um, and what we do is we bottle feed them and we become their pack and uh, for a, a time being of about a month. And then we return them to the mom and the moms accept them back, which is amazing. But what we do in the meantime is we have partnered with Duke University and there's a, a really brilliant biologist down there. And he's got amazing grad students. Um, uh, Brian Hare is his name, Dr. Brian Hare. And he's been studying domestication for years. So we looked at the behavior of bottle-fed from infancy wolf puppies. And I'm telling you, not only are they bottle-fed, but we immerse them in our lives. Um, I am right now um, at work, and I have a litter of pups that I am sleeping around the clock with. And so to say immersed is an understatement. Um, and my dogs are with me with them. They behave like adult wolves, although, I mean, they didn't get that memo, but I have a very paternal German shepherd that licks them to stimulate them to urinate and defecate, cleans them, um, gently disciplines them when they do anything. He is the best dad. So they are immersed in our care, immersed in our lives, and we compare them to the lives and decision making of puppies raised by Canine Companions for Independence, one of the most amazing nonprofits in the country that, that breeds and creates these dogs to help people that need, that with, with disabilities. So um shout out to CCI they are absolutely amazing. And, and I'm going to tell you these are yellow labs that are purpose bred. Any of these labs that fail training are still the best labs on the planet. They have like a two year waiting list for these puppies. So I would I would kill and die for a CCI failed puppy. I mean it's amazing. <laughs> so, so they're comparing beautiful little yellow labs with wolf pups. And the wolf puppies no matter how much immersion we have absolutely do not behave the same way in response to humans, in response to food cues, in response to novel stimulus, new people, new toys, anything than these puppies. And and especially our wolves, because our wolves have wild origins one or two generations ago. So it's fascinating. You can, for example, you bottle feed these puppies. Um, my daughter and I immerse these wolves in our life. She takes them home one weekend. We take them home. She takes them another and we live with them 24-7, you can put a piece of food under a cup and put another cup next to it, and the puppy watches you do the whole thing. You point at the cup with the food, and the wolf puppy ignores it. Like, I don't know what you're saying. I'm going to look for this food on my own. A five- to six-week-old dog puppy goes, oh, okay, that's where the food is, and they figure it out, and they are successful most of the time. It's really dramatic, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. So we published this in Current Biology, and it's really a fascinating, fascinating paper, and it outlines so many of the differences. By six weeks, wolf puppies are afraid of people they don't know. Carte blanche. So it's, it's just incredible. So can you imagine you take a dog puppy from a mom when they're just little guys, and by six weeks, they're afraid of people they don't know, and, and that doesn't go away. Well, that is life-saving for wolves it's like compromising for dogs. Mm. And that's one of the many, many pieces of the puzzle of domestication. And, and Brian is of the, of the mindset that wolves did this on their own. They self-domesticated. And I really, I buy into that. Um, We aren't smart enough to do that. They did this. They're like, you know, some wolves decided, I do not want to go out there and bust my butt getting kicked by um, a, a mastodon. I want, Clean up this guy's gut piles, and all I have to do is suck up to him. So (laughs) it's really a really cool theory, and I think there's a lot of evidence to support it. That wolves figured this out on their own, and 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 then of course then humans interfered, and that's how you get the pug from a wolf. But that's that's human human arrogance. But um, and don't get me wrong, I love pugs. But it this is a far (laughs) cry from their ancestors, and wolves are ancestors to pugs. So. It's really a fascinating paper. I will send you a link to it so that you guys can share that, um, so that folks can read it.
1: It's really cool. cool. Wow! Yeah, that's interesting. And
2: just you know, an and int- stuff, it, didn't make it, it didn't make it in the paper. Like house training, not gonna happen. Oh. Uh, not um, counter sweeping. It's not a counter sweep. It's a counter counter. Uh, it, it's like a demolition <laughs> operation. When a wolf is tall enough to get there, it's not the food that hits the ground. It's the microwave. It's the coffee pot. It's like they are just not dogs in that way at all. And so, and no, I mean, I got to get there faster. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's really, I mean, yeah. trust me, it's, it, you, once you start working with real wolves, you figure out why you love your dogs.
1: So, yeah. It's amazing. Well, yeah. and I mean, it sounds like they're just, they're not trainable for for anything and so then i can see why people would have problems with the wolf dog breed you know the combo because they're they've got that wolf in them right
2: exactly yeah let me get back to that question because i think it's a really good one um first of all we don't have a reliable source of identifying these guys the the dna labs that do dog analysis I think they're questionable. and That's my opinion. And they're and actually, did you guys see that really fun Facebook post about a TV station that sent four of the big major labs um, blood samples and got just whack job re- responses, including one of the labs finding beagle in the news anchor.
1: Nope. <laughs> I did not see
2: that, but now I'm gonna have to look for it. <laughs> oh my god, so fun. Yeah, so fun. So that that just kind of underscores my my doubt. And those are for breeds of dogs for which, in theory, the Dog Genome Project, which was started in 2004, has data. In order to really qualify to say I know what genetics identify, let's just say, let's just say a beagle, um, you need 250,000 known origin samples as a minimum. So let's extrapolate to wolves. Who? What private lab? has access to 250,000 known origin wolves. The only way to know an origin is if it's a wild wolf that's captured by a biologist. And there is no private lab in the world that has access to that. There are a handful of federal labs that do. And I believe UW-Madison has partnered with a number of organizations that I don't think any of them have 250,000 samples. So the labs, the federal labs I know and work with are still skeptical of the results, but they absolutely destroy whatever any of these private dog labs say so if you sent your dog's blood sample in to a private lab and it says it's wolfy, dismiss that absolutely outright and i might dismiss the other things too um so that's the big problem um in order hybrids are available for sale um there are also a tremendous number of animals that that, and I don't believe all the breeders are fraudulent. I think some of them are misinformed. People believe they have a hybrid, and they breed it, and it creates this cool-looking northern breed. And I've been um, involved in numerous court cases and giving just my professional opinion, like, no, this is not. And, 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 again, it does not mean it's not a naughty animal. There are plenty of northern breeds that bite people and do things like this, but there is enough physical evidence that, I can, and and no judge has ever disagreed with me. I have, unfortunately, 100% um, judges agree with me. And it's not always in the benefit of the animal. Sometimes it is. I I just try to tell the truth. That is absolutely not a wolf dog cross. It did not mean that it didn't bite the baby, Um, but it's not a wolf dog. And uh, so it's really a a frustrating thing. People who have hybrids, most of them, I'm sorry to say, can't handle them there are some people that do it. They do it. They give it all up. They understand what it takes because these animals torture them. They destroy their furniture. They have to move them outside. They understand they have to have a ground apron so they can't dig out. They have to have some kind of overhang so they can't jump over. These animals are not dogs in any way, shape, or form when it comes to housing, management, feeding, strangers, um, other dogs. It's really a frustrating thing. And so it's heartbreaking and, um, unfortunately and a huge impact on liability house insurance policies, there's legal precedent for owners of hybrids to be responsible for enormous amounts of settlements. And, and all you need to do is have one of your critters bite, injure another dog, a person or anything. And, and unfortunately, the precedent goes way beyond the owner. It goes way back to the breeder. It goes back to the placing agency. It's a, it's a really difficult situation and Unfortunately, there is no rabies vaccine that's approved for a wolf or a wolf dog mix. And that right there is a huge legal issue. And unfortunately, most people don't know that and most um, enforcing agencies don't know that. But once it gets found out, that alone makes it illegal to have a hybrid because you are obligated to have your animals vaccinated for rabies. Mm-hmm. And there is no vaccination that's recognized and wolves and wolf hybrids. Wow. So there's another sad piece to
1: this. Yeah. Wow. That sounds like a lose-lose for everybody. It does. Including the animal.
2: Especially the animals.
1: Yeah. Oh, well that's sad. That's It is. Yeah, that's sad. So we'll talk about happy things now. Um, What else is going on at the (laughs) wildlife science center that you'd like to share with people that they might want to check out if they're in the area or go to your website. And we shared it on the chat room, but we can share it in our uh, on our Facebook page as well. So uh, um,
2: this is one of those years where it's been uh, five years of contraceptives and we removed contraceptives because we were looking for reversibility and bam, bam, <laughs> we have puppies. And so um, we've split them with the moms and, and it's been really, and I, I just can't tell you, I really, I, I need to get a GoPro that functions. And just to show you what the moms do when you take some and leave some, they literally are like, thanks, you know, ciao, we're good. Um, and so we took some pups for bottle feeding these pups uh, because I mean, Minnesota winters, you guys, are, you guys have been through this. Mm. It's not hospitable out there. Mm-mm. And if you get too many in the again, they are not going to survive. And I don't want them to die from exposure. It's just a nightmare. Um, I don't know if you guys listen to Sven, Sungarn, yeah. but we've got another storm coming at the end of the week. Yeah. Yep. You know, I love Sven until so he starts talking about that stuff. But um, it's, that, that, that's an issue for moms. They're, they're, they're in dens and they pick where they have puppies. We have never successfully gotten them to accept a hay bed. They kick it out. Um, We try every year anyway, but they kick them all out. So they give birth on dirt. That's what they want. And as long as it doesn't get wet, they're fine. And as long as they don't have too many puppies, that's fine. But what we found is that once they recover from the contraceptive, they have more pups than normal, kind of like, when people shoot coyotes all the time. People think they're gonna lower the population. They never will lower the population. All they will do is trigger an emergency reproductive response. I mean, it's one of the things that makes me crazy that the shoot on site coyote thing is, there's no science in that at all, at all. So, um, but that's that's what happens when you test these contraceptives with wolves. So we have a lot of pups. We're gonna have some pups um, available for folks to meet as long as they're willing to go through our rules we want to socialize these pups as much as possible. We are continuing some really cool research into wolf pup behavior. And trust me, the term research, let's just, if you don't like it, let's use the word study. These pups have fun with it. It's really fun. It's nothing but, um, asking pups questions, letting them play games, do things. It's not, there's, there's nothing negative about it at all. So that's what's going on in the spring. That's really fun.
1: Cool. So I'm curious about these wolves that are having pups and they're kicking away their hay beds that you make because, you know, wolves do what wolves do, right? You've already made that quite clear right. that they're not going to follow rules or whatever. Um, so how do you know, like, do they have them in a special area that you can go and find them and take some of these and move them? Or how do you, like, you just hunker into the case or to the, the caged area with all these hundred wolves and hope for the best? Like, would, how do you find these pups?
2: So, no, very good question. So they're all divided up into their own family groups. Um, but what's fascinating is, and it little, heads up, little signs coming down the pike here, females that are pregnant go through full pregnancy, obviously. Females that are not pregnant go through a full, false pregnancy, including milk production. There's only one hormone they do not produce. The Males, at the same time that females are going through pregnancy and birth, the testosterone completely disappears from their bodies and there is, they do not produce sperm. There's no testosterone, no aggression. And there's a surge in a hormone called prolactin, which is a parenting hormone. And studies have shown human men that are involved very heavily with their babies have the same experience. Testosterone is suppressed and prolactin surges and they are, they feel parenting. They want to parent. Um, it's really interesting. So, um, that's what we see with wolves and male wolves are highly engaged in parenting to a point where they're regurgitating and caring for pups as much as the female will let them we know when a pup is born because of the behavior of the other pack members it's a celebration in the past the males are all attentive all around any daughters um are usually allowed in and out of the den um it's really fascinating so you just so follow a, the wolves a, exactly yeah, And and the muse, they like like little teeny little muse from old puppies. Like, ew, ew, ew. Oh, um, that you gosh. can Yeah. It's pretty cool. And there's just it it is it's a neighborhood party. Even <laughs> our old timer couples are all fired up when the neighbors sets up It's really cool. We have quite an age differential here. We we've just lost a couple of sixteen year olds, which just breaks our heart. And we have um some some 14-year-old grandparents that are just excited about when the pups arrive it's really cool to see
1: so it it kind of goes with that saying it uh it takes a village to raise a child they're right. all in
2: absolutely it does and that's one of the things that's so shocking for folks cuz i mean dog breeders keep the males away from the puppies Mm -hmm. Uh, There are very few dog breeds that males have any role at all. And in a wolf pack, yes, everyone is involved, we had a female for years that she, she was a very experienced mom. And um, over the years when we had, she was part of so many research projects and she had a couple of pups at a time. And her first pup, she was just like, I was with my baby, just like, no, get away from her, get away from me. She's my baby. And then later on, she would nurse her pups, and then she would get out of the den, and her three daughters would run into the den and and would care for these pups. They we contracepted the daughters; they were just mothering. So this was the greatest socialization these pups had. It was it was mom and aunts. I mean, it was just really cool, and the wow. aunts were very gungy of them. I mean, it was really it's really fascinating to watch the social dynamics. And the enclosures are big enough that they feel like they can do it. So
0: it's really cool to see. Wow. So wow, that's I, I have a question. What happens to these puppies? I mean, do they ever get released or what? do you just keep them? I mean, what happens to all these babies? So here's the fun thing. Um,
2: and, and let me just, a little perspective. Um, we had three litters this year. I have the potential for 30 litters and I didn't have them. So we're not talking about piles of puppies. I haven't had litters in three years. So it's it's not that we just have piles and piles of bottles. We do it when we can handle it. We actually have two zoos that have requested wolves and one of them being the Minnesota zoo. Um so we're looking into providing them some some animals for for education. I mean I'm a huge fan of good zoos. I they the zoos had a terrible reputation early on and they deserved it, but absolutely not anymore. These are places where endangered species live and don't live anywhere else but let's talk about the ugly term about release Um, there are two kinds of wolves that are being released in the world and that is the Mexican gray wolf and the red wolf to release any other wolf in the world is illegal and especially a captive origin wolf that is not either a Mexican gray wolf or a red wolf so When animals come to us from the wild, there is an option of either euthanasia or the Wildlife Science Center. So when we take them, we know they will be with us for life. So this is not willy nilly breeding. We are very careful. It's always part of a project. We um, say no when we need to. And unfortunately, we try so hard to cooperate on behalf of the Mexican wolf folks because they need the data really badly. But there are years when we said we can't do this. We just can't. We need to. We need to not have pups for a few years, and and then sometimes these contraceptives have been so impactful. It's five to six years, and we don't have any pups at all. So, I it, just so you know, uh, we don't take pups who can't absorb. Uh, we don't. We don't breed pups we can't absorb, because there are very few places out there for us. We have wolves at the International Wolf Center um, that we have donated. We have wolves at Como Zoo. Um, Minnesota Zoo has ha- asked for some, and there's some good folks at Red River Zoo that we know um, that are taking some pups from us this year. So it, they have to ask us long in advance because we don't just breed willy nilly every year, and we absolutely do not place wolves without serious consideration for their well being.
1: Great. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, for hmm. sure. Okay, you, know,
0: you guys.
1: Well, let's see here. We've got 5 minutes left. I think um Steph, let's just do our plug quick and then we'll oh. we'll get some information from Peggy about how to get a hold of of the
0: Wildlife Science Center. Yeah, so Definitely. um just but, uh, Here's the plug for our sibling show, the Calling Radio Show. So join them tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Para-X Radio Network. And Jerry and Matt Jesso from the Sim Crew will be talking time travel. So it should Ooh. be fun. We've talked time travel on our show a few times, but it's been yeah. a long time ago. So That's a good topic. It is a good topic. So join them tomorrow at 8 p.m. right here. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Awesome. All right. So, Peggy, we're going to have to wrap up here, but we'd love for you to uh, let people know how they can get a hold of you. If there's any, uh, you know, if you're looking for any donations or volunteering or anything at all, how can they find you?
2: Um, we absolutely are looking for all of the above. I would be a terrible executive director if I didn't say we need donations of all shapes. And sizes. Money, of course, is most welcome, but we uh, also have many carnivores, and many of you have freezer meat that you no longer want. We will take it. Um, so, our website is www.wildlifesciencecenter.org. No spaces. And my personal email is peggy, P E G G Y, at wildlifesciencecenter.org. Please do not hesitate to reach out. I'm happy to take anybody's emails, questions, comments. Um, I don't get offended easily. If you have some something you want to challenge me on, bring it on. I really, I'm really a science-based person, um, except when my beautiful Robbie pulls this. I knew you were going to take my life tonight, and I wanted you to do it this way. Um, but I, you know, I. That's how scientists are. We need to be able to pay attention to what the animals are telling us, and sometimes they're telling us stuff that that doesn't that. Only makes sense in 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 terms of animals, and animals are not scientific beings. They're just they're complex beings. So, so we would love to hear from you.
1: Awesome. So we're gonna we posted your your website in our chat room. I'm gonna post it on our Facebook page, and also when you send that video, I will get that out on our Facebook page as well, so people can take a look at that. I'm excited to see it. And, uh, yeah, we've had a lot of fun having you with us. Actually, yeah. we had talked about, uh, doing a, a live show. I was going to say a wild show. Yeah. It might be a wild show in it person. It would be a wild show. <laughs> I think so. Uh, yeah. this summer out at the Wildlife Science Center doing a live show with maybe a, a you know, live audience and people can really, uh, get out, you know, and check out this amazing, uh, center.
2: And I would love this summer is perfect because we have these pups on the ground and we haven't had pups for the last several summers. So it would be really fun to have you guys. Um, and the earlier, the better uh, when, in terms of the deer fly season and
1: all these other things. So June, oh, if June yeah.
2: works out for you guys, it would be fantastic.
1: Yeah. Let's, let's look at Get it. it
2: on the schedule. Yeah. I think yeah. that's awesome. really fun. I'll okay.
1: contact you. We'll awesome. do it.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right.
2: Well, lovely to talk to both of you guys, uh, keep in touch and, and God bless all you listeners. Uh, have a wonderful night.
0: Yes. You thank too. you. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Yes. Thank you. And, and thank you for having me. Oh, we're happy to have you. You're, you're fabulous to talk to. So, so wonderful. thank you so much yes everyone thank you so much thank you so much for listening tonight and for the troops who may be listening please be safe and thank you for your service
1: yes and everybody in the chat room thanks for joining us it was relatively quiet in the chat room because I think we were all tuned in and yes. just listening to all this information it was awesome and everybody out there wherever you are <laughs> listening to us thank you for tuning in as well happy to have you with us Para X Radio Network we are so glad to be here thanks for hosting our show and Sarge the most amazing producer on the planet who I think almost uh, tipped over tonight with all the tech stuff and Mercury <laughs> retrograde. Thank you, Sarge, for getting us on the air yeah, all together. Yes. And yes. Uh,
0: we'll see you guys uh, next week. Yeah. Good night, everyone. Thanks, Peggy. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye.